So music is a specific kind of magic. I believe this wholeheartedly. It has a way of getting into our soul, of, in, of sneaking in in a way that we don't anticipate staying longer than we ever could imagine. But this isn't a new idea. Hymns are such a part of our worship service because throughout church history, songs that, that teach the, the, the laity of God and remind them of who God is, of who Jesus is, uh, was a very quick, easy, and effective way to, to share the gospel to an illiterate church body, to folks who overwhelmingly did not, because they didn't have access to something to read, but they could sing, and in singing, they weren't just singing in that place at that time, but they walked out singing as well. Even now, how often do we find ourselves humming, come thou fount of every blessing, or oh, how I love Jesus days after singing it in this service. Of course, this time and this place, though, with music in our hymnal, they're not, it's not the only time we hear music in our day-to-day life. I feel like music is all around us. We are surrounded by sounds, in part, I think, because it is hard for us to sit in silence. But the benefit of that that difficulty is that we get to hear some great music easily. Have you thought about how easy it is to hear music these days? I have four different services on my phone, most of which I don't pay for, that allow me to basically hear any song that I can think of. Um, it's crazy to think about how far we've gone from the days of having to collect vinyl or eight tracks or cassettes or CDs in order to hear the songs that we want to hear. In just a matter of a little bit more than a decade, I have gone from buying music at regular intervals to to I don't remember the last time I bought a CD. That's, did, have any of y'all bought an album or anything recently? The only people I know that buy albums these days are vinyl heads, folks who are really, really, really into records, which surprisingly of my generation, there are a ton of um, because they believe an analog sound is a superior sound, which is really funny because almost all music is still recorded digitally and then they just take that digital recording and put it on vinyl. It seems like taking a picture and then tracing it on some level, but they're, they're really, really into it. But uh, we find often in the music that we hear, especially if we don't anticipate it, the gospel sneak up on us. So often, even if people aren't intending to, even if the writers, even if the artists aren't intending to make a song that talks about Jesus, you can find Jesus in music pretty easily. And uh, Chuck Strong is adept at finding this music. How often he would start a sermon off with name that tune, uh, and immediately we would have the, the song in our heads as we're listening to him, as we're thinking about things. And as Alicia and I started planning this uh, sermon series where we were going to look at the music that we listen to, look at the music that, that we find in our in our. Spotify playlists and our iTunes libraries day in and day out and find the, the, the gospel truths in some of these songs. I was kind of frustrated in the fact that uh, basically every song on a classic rock station has already been taken by a Chuck Strong sermon at one time or another. 
the well is kind of run dry on that area of expertise. Um, so I just decided to, to look through some of the stuff that I listen to, which Alicia calls, quote, trash music. Uh, she's not a big fan of my, my taste in music. Uh, but I decided to look through some of my stuff to uh, share with y'all some of the stuff that has been uh, affecting me for months and years. Uh, one of my favorite things about music, though, is the fact that it's not just the listening that we enjoy when we listen to music. It's also the, the telling folks about it, right? Immediately, as soon as we have a song that we enjoy, we think of folks that are going to be into this as well and are so excited to share it with them. My favorite thing about finding a new band is not actually listening to it myself, but rather telling people about it. Um, I don't know what that says about me, but that's... That's a little unnerving to think about, so let's skip over that part. Uh, but if you want that feeling, if you want that feeling of, of finding new music, there's no place that is, that, that is more so the case than a freshman college dorm, especially when I was in college in the mid-2000s. Because a lot of things came together in 2006 uh, when I showed up at Mississippi State to find out who I was as a music listener because really it's right at 18 that you really kind of start to figure out what kind of music you like right because it's not really just pop music you start actually digging into the well of different bands different artists uh, and in this time in that place a bunch of 18 year olds finally realizing what their tastes in music are start hanging out but it was also the beginning of the iPod generation when not only did we have CDs, but we also had these little bricks that we kept in our pockets that had all of this music on it. And that music came from an iTunes library, a collection on our computers in a building that had just recently gotten internet. So that meant that all of these computers were connected constantly to each other. And nobody at that school knew how to make that safe. So all of our computers talked to each other. So if you opened up your iTunes library, you can't really do this anymore, but back then you opened up your iTunes library and if you were on the same network because they didn't think about schools, they only thought about a house where like two people would be and not a place where like 400 people would be. But there was a list of 400 some odd computers, each one of them with thousands of songs on it and you could just click it and listen to other people's music. So not only were we talking to each other about it, we were just openly stealing each other's music from each other. And it made this constant. I learned about more music during that one year period than I ever have in any other time in my life. Because it wasn't just sharing, it was also talking about it. It was the only thing that we talked, it was that and TV, really. We didn't talk about school. Who talks about school at school? We talked about music, we talked about TV. And so I learned so much during that time. But the thing about community like that, the thing about sharing with each other, you have to want to share. You have to want to receive from the other person in order to hear, because it's really easy for somebody to say, hey, you'd like this, and then them say, I don't trust you, and so I'm not gonna listen to it. I'm not even gonna give it the time of day. Um, I know that feeling on both the giving and receiving end, but the story that I have today is a story specifically of ignoring someone's suggestions. Because that freshman year, I moved into that dorm with a friend of mine from high school. He's one of my closest friends. And I don't know if any of you have ever 
move directly from home into living with a closest friend, but it is very hard to stay in an eight by eight space and keep the peace. It's very easy for you to realize the people that you nominally knew annoy you and you annoy them and it becomes this whole thing. Uh, but man, did me and that guy not get along after a little while. I don't blame him, I was gross. Uh, he wasn't the, the, the cleanest guy either. So it was this whole back and forth. We could constantly blame each other for the room being gross. I don't know how we fit that much grime and muck into an eight by eight space, but we found a way to do it. But uh, as we were going through this period of learning all this music, he said, hey, there's this band that you would love. He knew what I was into because I wouldn't stop playing it. Uh, but he said, this band, the Decemberists, is a band that you would really enjoy. I didn't listen to him because I thought, one, his taste in music was trash. I believed that wholeheartedly. Uh, and secondly, uh, I was just so frustrated with him, I didn't want him to be right. It was just me being my most petty, but 100%, it was a thing. That said, I wish I would have listened to him. Uh, it was a couple of years later, after we weren't living together, that I found the Decemberists. I found this band and really enjoyed them. Uh, they have been around uh, since the mid-2000s. They've had multiple Grammy nominations. Uh, they have a different sound almost every album they have. But today, I want to talk to you about one specific song. The first song off their 2011 album, The King is Dead. Uh, the track is called Don't Carry It All. Uh, I'm going to play it for us real quick, and then uh, we will see what we can find out of it. That right there is one of my uh, top five favorite harmonica songs, far and away. Uh, it's just got such a beat to it, but if you listen to the words, you can hear the gospel sneak up on you, the same way that we were talking about earlier. It, this song tells the story of a community, an agricultural community by the sounds of it, going through the seasons of life. Here we come to the turning of the seasons. Witness to the art towards the sun, the song says. As we're finally in this change from summer weather to the closest thing to fall we're probably going to get, seasons are something that we are very aware of. But as Ecclesiastes tells us, seasons means something else. We have seasons of our lives, seasons of joy and seasons of sorrow, seasons of weeping and seasons of laughter, seasons of breaking down and seasons of building up. It's also beautiful to hear the, the poetry in this passage of scripture. It's so tidy, I guess I could say. But when it says that there's a time in a, to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, there's no room in those short couplets for the meaning behind the words. In this song, we see these seasons. We see a season of joy as he sings about a wedding, about a monument being built underneath an arbor, the monument being the relationship between two people as a part of this community. We see a joy commemorating a, a relationship. We see the warm marvel of getting to lay our head on summer's freckled knees, which is a beautiful line. This guy can write. I don't know about y'all, but uh, it's, I can't think of anything to, better to describe contentment and warmth than laying our head on summer's freckled knees. We also see the heartache, the pain of losing someone before their time 
because the song ends by telling of the funeral of a boy, which wouldn't be uncommon in an old agricultural community, especially, you know, accidents happen. But lack of rarity doesn't mean lack of sorrow. There's pain there, and there has to be. When we drill it down to a time to weep and a time to laugh, we lose the intensity of those seasons in our lives because so often both seasons feel like seasons that will never end. I think this comes in part because for so many, this is the only part of Ecclesiastes we read. So often, this one section talking about the different seasons of life is the one section of Ecclesiastes we see often. In part, I think it's because of that song by the birds, but still, it's a beautiful uh, section of scripture. But the writer of Ecclesiastes is clearly very well versed in the, the feelings behind these words. It's not known exactly who the writer of Ecclesiastes was, but they've clearly seen these things. When you read the whole text, you see this weird balance of joy and sorrow, this weird mix of optimism and pessimism, this weird balance that I can only describe as real life. Just like the community in the song, the writer knows that there's more to these feelings than just the words joy and sorrow. Life is more than just words. It's complicated, it is messy, it is beautiful, it is terrible. So how do we do it? And what does life is complicated have to do with the gospel? The song of an, the song of an agricultural community going through the changing of seasons of life shows us the burden of changing must be carried together. There's a reason the two examples of joy and sorrow, the wedding and the funeral, are rooted in community. When we rejoice over the creation of a family, we rejoice together. When we grieve the loss of a loved one, we mourn together. This community is no different. He says multiple times, the neighbor's blessed burden within reason becomes the burden born of all in one. Every person added decreases the load. Alicia and I are not Alicia. Alicia already knows division. Me and Eden have been talking a lot about division here lately. Uh, not because that's what they're talking about in school. It's just because she is curious to how this works because we, she hears us talking about dividing things and doesn't uh, have the, the basis currently about how to do it. And so a lot of times in our drive, I think up like very simple word problems to kind of explain how you would divide things by three, divide things by two. So talk about cutting things in half, talk about cutting things into thirds. It's really easy when you're talking about a foot because 12, you know, you can divide it by four, you can divide it by three, you can divide it by two. It's really easy. Um, I think that when we talk about carrying a heavy load, when we talk about carrying a, something together as a group, it's a quick study of division, how fast things can become smaller when we share it among other things. How quickly two people, you know, two people are carrying something that weighs 100 pounds, suddenly it's like one person's carrying 50 pounds, another person's carrying 50 pounds. You add two more people, suddenly it's 25 pounds. Quickly, the division of things makes things smaller. With each person, the load gets divided. With each person, the load gets a little easier. Of course, though, that never means that it completely goes away. You can't add enough people to where you're suddenly not carrying anything. 
But life is like that. We can't say just suddenly being a part of community means that we never experience grief anymore. We never experience sorrow anymore. But being a part of a community of believers gives us the opportunity to share each other's burdens. Gives us the opportunity to hear from each other, to to lean on each other. Gives us the opportunity to love as a group. Our community can't grow to the point where we never feel pain anymore, but our community can make it easier. And when it's made a little easier for you down the road, you're given the opportunity to make life a little easier for someone else in turn. The song says, we are all our hands and holders. The crazy thing about being hand in hand with someone is that you can't really look at a hand holding another hand and say, that's the hand that's being held and that's the hand that is holding. When we have hands clasped together, both of them are holding each other. When I think of Philippians 4, of the verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can't help but think that maybe Paul was thinking about the turning of the seasons in a similar way. We often hear that verse talking about the fact that somehow, supernaturally, Christ is able to call ourselves, uh, call us to means and then allow us to almost supernaturally succeed at those means. We are able to do something because Christ supernaturally gives us strength to do it. That carrying a Bible and wearing a Christian name tag gives us some fortitude beyond human experience. I don't think so. In fact, I know so many people who have believed this, and as soon as they face hard moments, they say, where is Christ in this? Why can I not succeed? Why can I not carry on? Why is this burden so heavy? We assume that that God's just going to show up and fix it. And God does show up and fix it, but God shows up and fixes it through the face of those we are in community with. (coughs) But letter after letter from Paul names all these people he has in his journey. Apostles, deacons, deaconesses, evangelists, folks who have made it possible for him to continue his mission All of these people who help him carry the burden of leading a life of Christ. Maybe then that's where strength comes from. Maybe that's where Paul's strength comes from. When Jesus says that rest is found in him, that his yoke is easy and that his burden is light, it is not telling us that suddenly following Jesus makes life easy street. I know good and well that each and every one of us can say, if anything, following the Christian way of life, following the way of Jesus, has made things harder, not easier. But the yoke is easy and the burden is light because we're not pulling together. Or we're not pulling alone. We're pulling together. We are continuing on this walk together. So let the weight fall off your shoulders today, not because you're dropping it, but because you're sharing it. Let the weight fall off your shoulders today, not because you've given up, because you've given to each other 
and we continue to give to each other. You have a community here who's willing to carry some of your load. Yes, I know that we have lost people. But we haven't lost each other. And so let us continue to carry each other's burdens within reason. The seasons of life changing might be a season of anxiety because we don't know what's going to come next. Not knowing what the next step is going to bring. When the weight is lifted, we can lift our glasses to the turning of the seasons. We can rejoice together beneath this bold and brilliant sun. Let us pray. Most